Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. The Viewpoint. Weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. Songhez on The Viewpoint. SAFM. Shall overcome. I 
I am an African Swazi Lamini. I am an African Swazi Lamini. I am an African, and of course, when I say I am an African, only one name, not to say that is the only name that has ever mentioned those words, but really, in the modern world, only one name should come through to mind when I say I am an African, and that name you're going to hear a little bit more of right after this quick ad break. On SAFM. I am an African. I owe my being to the hills and the valleys, the mountains and the glades, the rivers, the deserts, the trees, the flowers, the seas and the ever-changing seasons that define the face of our native land. My body has frozen in the frosts and in our latter-day snows. It has thawed in the warmth of our sunshine and melted in the heat of the midday sun. The crack and the rumble of the summer thunders, lashed by startling lightning, have been a cause both of trembling and of hope. And with that, a legend was born. Then Deputy President, he would become the President of the Republic in 1999 and serve very nearly two terms, former President Tabombeki. A speech that effectively made whom he was and a legend of and father of the African Renaissance. Now, the 10th Tabombeki Africa Day Lecture is about to be delivered on Friday. And more to tell us about that is the CEO of the Tabombeki Foundation, a man I know quite well, Ndate Bokwana. Tlegazom, tlegunjani putmex. It feels good to be an African. Only you could say that, and it, it does It does indeed, it does indeed. Tell us about yes. the work that the Foundation has been doing leading up to this very august day, signature event in its calendar. Songhezo, um, as you will know, that for for every year when we consider the, the Africa Day Lecture, we, we generally discuss amongst ourselves, and in particular with President Mbeki, on the pertinent issue that is confronting the African continent at that particular time. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we've been talking about is this issue of nation building. And that's why then um, the Africa Day lecture this year is going to be focusing on the matter of the national question. Of course, the theme is the national question, peace and conflict. Peace and conflict, how was that added and how in this context of the national question does it feature? Songeza, you, you, you will note that um, when you, one of the things that is holding our continent back um, is the whole idea of conflicts um, that, are, that, that are taking place in various parts of our continent. Um, you will know as well that um, our, our patron, President Mbeki, continues to wander around um, the continent I'm trying to solve as many conflicts as possible, but it's quite clear to us to ask that a commitment to democracy in Africa is an important first step um, towards a developmental trajectory and establishing a lasting peace. So that's why these issues are very important, because we won't be able to address this issue of national question in the midst of conflict. And of course, you found yourselves no worthier speaker than the former Prime Minister of Ethiopia. Tell us about the guest speaker. Songeza, you will maybe you will recall that, and and many of your listeners in the late eighties and beginning of the nineties, when you think about Ethiopia, um, Ethiopia will be reflected um, with images mm, of mm, um, mm. very thin, hungry um, children. 
because of the conflicts that were taking place um, in that country. Those conflicts essentially driven by ethnic differences um, and a devastating devastating, um, climate condition. So we thought then there's no better place, um, no better person that we can draw than one of the leaders of Ethiopia to be able to address this issue. You will realize at that time that Ethiopia was under the rule of uh, the then dictator Mengistu, and after Mengistu was deposed, President Meles started with the project of nation building in Ethiopia. And unfortunately, almost just more than 10 years ago, he passed on. And Prime Minister Haile Mariam Boshe is the one that took on the program of nation building. So we thought that there should be no better speaker to come and share some of these experiences as to how to build a nation from ashes than um, Prime Minister Haile Mariam, who will be arriving tomorrow to deliver the lecture on Friday. Absolutely, and I think an important feature of his record, which is a very stunning record, his term of office as Prime Minister boasts sustained double-digit economic growth spurred by several mega-projects throughout his country. Not too many African nations, not least one that had the characterization of Ethiopia, could ever have been expected to achieve double-digit growth for six straight years as his, president, I mean, as his term of office as Prime Minister did deliver. Indeed, especially if you consider um, the history of the country and the strides that have been made by Ethiopia. And, and I dare say today Ethiopia is a pride of many Africans and it's actually an entry to the African continent. And you'll know that this is where the headquarters of the African Union are based at the present moment. But Max, earlier this evening we had a young lady from the Center for Human Rights here at the University of Pretoria. Her name is Ms. Bonolo Mahale, talking to us about protecting the rights of African migrants in the context of xenophobia. It's clearly known that there are many Ethiopians in the country who bear the brunt of xenophobia. What might the invitation of the former Prime Minister, Helemariam Boshe, do to change certain perceptions about how Africans outside South Africa are portrayed and seen and understood and received inside South Africa because there's this thing of South Africa and Africa, which obviously is obscene and has to change. How do we bridge these gaps? I, I think I think knowledge is the key thing on this thing, Songezo. You know, we must know as Africans that um, before 1885, we didn't understand ourselves as different countries. It's when mm. the Europeans decided to slice and dice our continent into various pieces that we ended up with the artificial borders. But I think our work as a foundation, which is the work in pursuance of Africa's renaissance, is to remind all of us as Africans that we own this continent um, from Cape to Cairo, from Madagascar to Morocco. So for us, this is home. And that's why you will realize that even the speakers that we regularly invite Um, at the foundation will be the speakers that comes from the other parts of the continent to continue with this consciousness um, Mm -hmm. that um, South Africa being at the tip of Africa is not an extension of Europe, but it's a central part of the rest of the continent. And it's important, therefore, that we need to continue to embrace each other because Africa can only grow 
if we understand solidarity amongst its people, we have to answer the question continuously, um, honestly and truthfully, that whether am I my brother or am I my sister's keeper? And I think Africans need to continuously answer that question. We're in conversation with uh, an attorney, but the CEO right now for the Tabombeke Foundation, Mr. Max Bokwana, talking to us about the 10th Africa Day lecture hosted by the Tabombeke Foundation. It's in the name of the patron and it's happening this Friday on the 24th of May. The guest speaker on the day is former Prime Minister of Ethiopia, Minister Halemayrem Desalen Boshe, who served as the 14th Prime Minister of Ethiopia between 2012 and 2018. The calls are welcome on 0891104207. Voice notes 06 one four one oh four one oh seven. Mr. Bogwana, let's talk about the work of the foundation post the lecture. What does it do when it receives this body of knowledge from somebody as august as a former prime minister? How does this speech, together with the many people who will be contributing on the day, he is just the signature contributor, how does it take that material that comes through to either realign its work or to help that information to filter through to the students who are part of the Tawambeke African Leadership Institute, if at all? Songhezo, thank you very much. I think that's an important question. You will realize that uh, one of the flagship programs of the Tawambeke Foundation is the Tawambeke African Leadership Institute, Timali, which Mm. we run jointly with uh, the University of South Africa. Here we seek um, to educate and thought leaders for the African continent, those that will understand the conditions of Africa in detail and seek to change, um, to to find um, solutions for these African problems. So every time we have a speaker, we will have thought through um, what the speaker must come and address. And after that speaker has made the address, we intervene in that address and turn it into an academic program that fits in into one of the theoretical approaches that we use at the school to train, whether on policymaking and analysis, on thought leadership for Africa's renewal, on African political economy, on international trade, or on issues of feminism and gender studies, or generally on good governance in in Africa. So it's not just a lecture in the air. It's a lecture that we use practically um, as an exchange of ideas with our students. You talked about 1885 earlier on, and perhaps this is critical in the context of now what Timali does. It's almost in many respects retrospective in terms of understanding where we are is because of these things that took place officially anyway from the Treaty of Berlin of 85. But more importantly, developing the kind of thought leader who's not only going to undo what the remnants of 1885 still remain being in this modern society of Africa is, but more importantly, crafting in the true sense and context of an African renaissance, the kind of Africa we want. Do you want to shed light on that? Indeed, Sangezo. You know, one of the things that inspired us to set up Timali, it was actually not gener- not necessarily President Mbeki's own ideas, but it was it was collective ideas of other leaders in the African continent, because they had realized that by the time President Mbeki um, left office, he had worked tirelessly within the African Union to develop a number of policy positions, protocols, and, um, and programs 
which are meant, which underpin this idea of African Renaissance, whether we're talking about economy in terms of NEPAD, whether we're talking about good governance in terms of peer review mechanism, mm. whether we're talking about the extractive resources in terms of how do we deal with our own resources or comprehensive agricultural uh, programs or even the status of women and young people in the continent. We've yeah. got all of these policies um, having been developed during the time President Mbeki was with AU. So our responsibility is to uplift um, some of these programs and really play serious advocacy role around their understanding so that we can prepare this cadre of young people that will continue to implement these programs for the next and future generations. But Max, I think an important something that you mentioned here, and I think we, we, we owe it to spend time on it, the African peer review mechanism was designed to hold African leaders to account and no less than at state level. African leaders holding African leaders to account. That's somewhat with that generation of President Mbeki, Olushugam Obasanjo, John Kufo. That seems to have tapered off a bit and seems to have enjoyed very recently the backbenches more than it ought to be very prominent in the lexicon of our political spaces. Why is that? Indeed, you know, um, Songezo, I was I was looking I was talking earlier on to um, the the former one of the former ambassadors in Tanzania, and we were talking about um, the the generation of leaders before President Mbeki, whether you're talking about Julius Nyerere, Kenneth Kaunda, and all mm. of these leaders, and uh, they even at an informal level, they will hold each other to account in terms of the activities within the, in within their various countries. Um, if 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 uh, uh, KK wanted to raise something about Tanzania, he didn't say Tanzania is another country. He understood that Nyerere is his brother. What President Mbeki and his generation of leaders was actually to legislate that and say, let's design an African program that will make sure that we hold each other to account. Because if we don't do that as Africans, you end up with these foreign interventions um, that more than often mm. end up with devastating effects. For Always. instance, our inability Always. to hold the leadership in, um, in Libya accountable led to the invasion of Libya by foreign forces, and now you're sitting with the disaster that you are having in Libya. But I think it's important now that we also encourage the current leadership really to take some of these programs that we're talking about quite seriously. Because for Africa to develop, it depends on its cooperation. Let's talk about the cohort of the Timali group. A lot of those students are scarcely South Africans. You get a lot from West Africa, you get a lot from East Africa, and even the Sadek region is thoroughly well represented there. What does it say about the Tabo Mbeki presidential years and before and even after the legacy of the man as a true Pan-Africanist? I was having a conversation yesterday with Professor Sasandi talking about Pan-Africanism as a concept, and on my social media news, there was a gentleman who was questioning Tabo Mbeki and his Pan-Africanist outlook. This is an opportunity for you to correct that? Look, I, I think President Mbeki understood the whole issue of Pan-Africanism not, not only as a theoretical concept. He understood it 
as an intersection between theory and practice. Um, he has a thorough understanding of, of this concept as developed, not, not by himself, but by the Pan-African Congress of 1900 and restated in the Manchester Conference of 1945. And, and then became the rallying force um, that, that led to the liberation of many of the countries. But he understood then that the period of liberation um, was over, but now we needed to start the period of the development of Africa to undo the damage that slavery has done in our continent, the damage that colonialism has done in our continent, and the damage that the white minority regimes have done, in particular in sub-Sahara Africa. So for him, this is a practical work. It's not just a theoretical work, but although theory is important, um, it's, it's the work that, that, that he does. That's why then he becomes recognizable in the, rest of, in the rest of the continent. Whether we talk on, we're talking about the rebuffing of the Morocco um, um, uh, king in respect of the Sahara Republic, or mm-hmm. whether we're talking about the resolving of the conflicts in Cote d'Ivoire, or Cameroon, or, or Burundi, or Rwanda, or the DRC. So President Mbeki has been visible in all of these parts of the, of the continent, not only in, when it comes to conflict, but also to position Africa to, to be able to speak with one voice, especially on issues of economy, because you realize that when EU negotiates economic partnerships with us, as Africa, it does so as a block. But it became important that we develop a program like NEPAT, which mm. seeks to under, undo the whole idea that Africa will, de- will depend on aid, will depend on loan, but need to say, can we contract with the rest of the world as partners rather than as recipients of aid? So, so that's basically the mm. work that he has been doing. So Unfortunately, you will, there will be lots of shortcomings in terms of that work. Africa has got lots of problems. Africa is very vast, and Africa is in various stages of development. So there will be greater successes in other areas. There will be completely lack of impact in some. President Tawambeke has done a lot of work on the African continent, and that is clearly evident by the cohort he attracts from the African continent as part of Timali. But the man himself here domestically, he has remained somewhat, for the best part anyway, quite under the political radar. He's starting to find his political voice again. No, 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 no not, at, not at all, um, um, Songhezo. The, the, the point is President Beke made it quite clear that his responsibility is not to govern from the grave. Um, as we speak, I mean, as I'm talking to you now, President Mbeki is in Malawi, mm-hmm. and he and he's coming from Egypt, and he's got the has been assigned the responsibility to deal with the conflicts in the entirety of the Horn of Africa, mm-hmm. and you will know that by the time he got to Addis, he was coming from Geneva, and in Geneva he chairs right. what is called the South South Center which is the cohort of the countries of the South, which was the program that uh, was first initiated by President Nyerere in, 19, in 1995 for the countries of the South to be able to have a collective voice when they negotiate some of the treaties at the UN or 
some of the trade agreements at the World Trade Organization. So, and then, so that's the sort of international work that President Beck has been doing. But you will sure. also know that um, for a considerable period of time, he spent a lot of time investigating this whole idea of the illicit financial outflows from mm-hmm. the continent um, to the rest of the world, which has actually led to a a global legal position um, in terms of how the countries of the world and the countries of this continent must deal with this issue of illicit financial flows. And he has now been appointed by both the UN and the, and the AU as the champion of the implementation of that report. So, so you've got all of those things that, that he has been busy with. But when you come home, it, he was quite conscious of the fact that his responsibility has to be to build this new cohort of leaders um, through Timali. You will also understand that at the foundation, we are also busy with the recording of the liberation history of South Africa from 1955 to 1996, from which we have now produced about seven volumes um, of that work. And we have also been quite engaged with the idea of collecting of the African archives and the writings and various materials. And last week, we've actually managed um, to offset the possibility of the sale of Nkwame Nkrumah's diaries, writings, books to, to the who? British Library. And Goodness to gracious, try, well done. And we're going to repatriate those to the foundation here here at home. So, so that's the sort of work that we're doing. It's quite an engaged work because our work is not only about PR exercise, just mm-hmm. appearances. It's quite deep. But PR is important, and what's also important and currently taking place at the Tabombeke Presidential Library and the UNISA Art Gallery is the hosting between the 17th of May and the 12th of June, the life and times of Dr. Mbeki in pictures. Tell us about that and the collaboration of one professor, Piti Kantuli. The what, what we've been doing, Songhezo, in the past four years, we have actually been collating President Mbeki's work and, um, and, and, and recording all of that work. We've, we've been busy with UNISA in digitizing that work for posterity. Um, it's, it's volumes and volumes of work that has just been collected by both President Mbeki and Mrs. Mbeki. We thought then, during this Africa month, um, let's, let's have an exhibition just with few of the materials that we have in our possession as a foretaste of what eventually the, the library um, will be. So that's why then we launched the exhibition at UNISA um, last Friday, which exhibition will be there at UNISA and can be viewed at Horong Building um, until the 12th of June. Shegazi, we have to hold it there. Itlesa Luchaba, Li Katwe Yinja, Kotam Nanawas and Edinga on Friday. I'll see you there. That was Mr. Max Pokwana, CEO of the Tabombeki Foundation and also an attorney by practice. So if you have problems, you've heard him. He's thoroughly schooled. He thoroughly knows his issues. He's the man to contact. We're going to take a literally 10-second break before we cross through to Ms. Lizette Khan of SAFM, who's hosting the Talking Point at the Shared Value Summit taking place currently right now in Nairobi, Kenya. Please stay tuned.